0: Our scripture reading is from Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. Please join me now in prayer of illumination. Now, Lord, in your light we see light, with the shepherds, with the angels, with your people throughout the ages, in all places, and all times. We celebrate your coming and pray for your blessing, on your word as we now reflect on it and praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom He is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger, It was just as the angel had told them. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I'd like to draw your attention to two contrasts in our text this morning. There is a contrast between the town and the countryside, and there is a contrast between earth and heaven. Let me explain what I mean. The first contrast is between the town and the countryside, what is happening in Bethlehem proper, where Jesus is born, and what is happening out in the field with the shepherds. Notice how little we are told about the birth of Jesus itself. In verses six and seven, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The time came, she gave birth, she swaddled him and she laid him in a manger there are so many questions that we might have that are left unanswered. Where exactly in Bethlehem are they staying? Who else is there? Was it a hard labor? What does the baby look like? These questions, while interesting, aren't important for our gospel writer, Luke. For him, what seems to matter most is just the simplicity of the event itself and that it be told clearly as an account of an event in history. A great and momentous event that has transpired. It certainly contrasts with what comes immediately afterward in the dramatic story of the shepherds met by angelic visitors out in their fields at night. The angel of the Lord appears among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounds them. The angelic armies of heaven, the multitude of the heavenly host as we usually hear it, come and sing glory to God. What do we make of this contrast between the town and the countryside? This is very interesting. Let me tell you why. Here we have one of the most central narratives of the Christian faith, the birth of the Messiah in Bethlehem. And where does the glory appear? Not in Bethlehem. The glory appears outside the town, out in the fields with the animals and the shepherds. What is going on here? Let me tell you how I think about this. What is the one thing that you're never supposed to do, kids? You're never supposed to stare at the sun. Okay, there might be other things. But I'm telling you this morning, never stare at the sun. Okay, it's a bad idea. Don't do it. You can't stare at the sun because it's too bright and it will hurt your eyes. But all around the sun, we find reflections of its light, shimmerings of its glory. Well, looking at Jesus' birth is kind of like trying to stare at the sun. It's a complete mystery that the God of all glory would come in the flesh as a little baby. It's beyond all comprehension that the infinite God of all power would become weak. How can we understand how the God of all riches might become poor? And yet, these are the things that Christians believe are happening in the birth of Jesus. These things that are beyond our comprehension but the radiance of their glory shines out into the fields. It's almost like the angels can't help themselves. This is good news of great joy that must be announced. The second contrast I mentioned helps us understand why the birth of Jesus must be proclaimed by the glory of angels. This is the contrast between earth and heaven. Notice that Luke begins this chapter very deliberately with a a reference to the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, and his decree that there should be a census taken. Augustus was the most powerful leader that the world had ever seen. And as the, the census highlights, Augustus had the power to move millions throughout the empire with a word of decree. And Mary and Joseph are just two of many peasants like them, making their way in response to Caesar's command. The text mentions that Joseph is in King David's family, but at this point, that's just a reminder of how low David's great kingdom has fallen. In the empire of Rome, they are just another insignificant family in an insignificant place, obeying Caesar's command. And yet... What is happening on earth earth, contrasts dramatically with what's happening in heaven. The word of Caesar may be able to move people on earth, but the word made flesh has the power to move the armies of heaven. Through these contrasts, the scripture shows us the mystery and the power of the birth of Jesus. The birth in Bethlehem that looks so routine is in reality an event that is more glorious than we can ever imagine. The baby who appears so weak is actually more powerful than we can ever conceive. And it's this birth that gives us hope and joy, not just because it is glorious or powerful, but because it reveals to us that the God of all glory and power is also a God of love. He is a God who reveals himself in suffering self-sacrificial love for others. And when you believe that a love like this is shining out into the world, despite all the maneuverings of kings and presidents and modern-day Caesars, you have a hope and a strength that can withstand anything. In the light of God's love, you too can rejoice. You can be glad, even in hard times, because like the shepherds, you have a joy that comes not from you, but from above. The message of the gospel has the power to move people like nothing else into places of humble service on behalf of the poor and the needy because it's a service that reflects God's own love for the world. Let me end with this. One Christmas season a few years ago, I was a little bit obsessed with the backstories of many of the hymns, the the carols that we sing in this season. And last night, I spoke about William Dix. And this morning, I wanted to end by sharing a little something about the author of the song that we're going to sing in a moment. Uh, Also, the author of the poem that Tricia read at at the beginning of our service uh, by Christina Rossetti. And I, I think one reason why I love looking into these stories, the stories of these songs, is that they show us that these songs arose out of real life with all its struggles. And probably the best-known song by Christina Rossetti is the carol that we often sing in Advent, In the Bleak Midwinter. And the the darkness of that song uh, reflects, in some ways, her own life. Uh, She was the youngest child in a, a very gifted family. Her father was also a poet and a Dante scholar. But when she was still young, he became physically and mentally ill. When she was 13, his health collapsed, and it left him almost blind and unable to teach anymore. And this radically changed her family circumstances. Her mother went to work as a governess, and her siblings had to find jobs. And it was Christina's job uh, to stay home and to care for her father. And as she grew older, uh, this weighed on her, and she suffered from depression and ill health uh, throughout her life. She was engaged three times, but each time the relationship did not result in the marriage that she hoped. Later, she suffered from Graves' disease, uh, an autoimmune disease that attacks the thyroid, and she had breast cancer. And yet, she could write these words that we're gonna sing. Love came down at Christmas. Love incarnate, love divine. Love was born at Christmas, star and angels gave the sign. She looked to the love that she found revealed in Jesus. What Christina Rossetti shows us and, and what the gospel invites us to believe is that the birth of Jesus means that there is a great love that can be ours by faith, no matter what our circumstances Christina had a hard life, but she was not defined by her family struggles or by her failed romances or by her illnesses. She knew that the God who revealed himself in the person and work of Jesus loved her, and she chose to trust in his love and to believe that even though he had not removed her from her hardships, he could sustain her in them. This is the good news that we're all invited to believe this morning. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Do you believe this? Let's believe it together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have come close to us in our world in Jesus. Thank you that you are always moving towards us in your grace. We look to you today in wonder and awe at your humility and your love, and help us, help us all to see your glory today, so that our hearts might be filled with a sense of wonder at who you are and what you've done in the person and work of Jesus, and then enable us to go and to share the story with others. In Christ's name we pray, amen.